Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. Audio description services have been gaining in popularity over the past number of years, and they can be particularly useful to people with vision issues in terms of going to theater and movies and going to museums and knowing what's going on in the visual world. We'll speak with Rachel Melton of Mind's Eye Radio about the ins and outs of audio description in these very different venues and about what makes for a good description. But first, for our tip of the week. This week, we actually have two tips from Rachel Melton. I think that the biggest thing that any patron can do is be their own advocate. And you're going to sometimes come up against people that don't care. And that's always unfortunate, but make them care. Um, And then if they're not caring, then connect with those local organizations and, and, you know, let them know that they're not doing what they should be doing. But most organizations and theaters, I think, especially, they want people to connect with their art. They want people to know what they've created and experience it. So they might not be aware of what audio description is, especially for a smaller theater company. They might be completely oblivious that it's even something that they should be offering. So being the person that just asks that question will oftentimes start the path that they need to take to making things happen. And you might be able to accelerate that journey along the path by giving them some hints of how to get started, who to contact, you know, who else does audio description in other theater companies. So if you come in prepared with some background information that they can use to start the process, that'll probably grease the wheels a little. Absolutely. I think anytime that you can come with like, okay, I see you're not doing this, but here's someone you can contact to take those steps. The more that we can connect and communicate with each other, the the more everything is going to be uplifted. Whenever you're making things more accessible for a group, you're making it more accessible for the entire community. It doesn't just help one group, it helps everyone. And of course, she was talking specifically about being an advocate for audio description services. But as we've noted in many previous episodes of Eyes on Success, it's important to be an advocate for yourself in many aspects of life. That is so true. And here's the other tip Rachel had for us. This is something that I do encourage for any person Almost all of us are on social media. Um, if you're not, good for you. Um, but most of us have a Facebook account or something that we that we go and we're posting pictures or you know funny memes and, and things on. And every person can do audio description and can do descriptive elements. So if you're posting a meme and it's a GIF or it's in a format that might not be accessible to someone with a screen reader, then write out what the words are, write the text in the very least that is in that picture. Um, And then, you know, try your hand at describing what the actual image is as well. It's a little scary, I know. But I think the more all of us can make those efforts, can do those things, the more accessible everything is. And and again, pushes us to have those conversations. That's great advice. I'm always amazed that friends that send cartoon pictures to me, and then I have to ask Nancy what the picture is. <laughs> so if they just describe what the joke was, right. that would be perfect. Yes. And the other day, this was the culmination of this kind of thing. A friend sent an image, so it was JPEG or GIF or I don't know what, and the subject line was, great quote from Helen Keller. <laughs> and the content was 
totally visual, even though it was text in the image. Right. Since I've started doing the the audio description, and it, it wows me how many organizations that are working even for like visually impaired community won't add description to what they're posting. Um, and it feels like it's easy. You don't have to use all the words. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be the most eloquent like description, but if you're adding at least something to make it more accessible so people can laugh, so people can, can know what it is in the very least of like more than image, then you're doing something and that's great. And maybe everybody can help spread the word about that tip, because that would be very helpful to many of us. And it's easy to do. Let's start by meeting Rachel and learning about Mind's Eye Radio and what they do besides audio description. Hi, uh, my name is Rachel Melton, and I am the Community Outreach Coordinator for Mind's Eye. As Community Outreach Coordinator, what does that mean you do? So with any um, small nonprofit, um, it's a title that means I wear many different hats. Primarily, I work with the social media aspect of the organization, as well as doing a lot of writing for appeals and thank you letters and anything that needs to be written, press releases, etc., and then uh, the main focus of my work is actually our audio description services. So I lead that program here in the St. Louis area, training describers and coordinating with theaters, museums, different organizations that want to ensure accessibility to the visually impaired community. Most of our listeners and most of your clients have either visual impairments or other print disabilities. Do you? I wear glasses, but I am fortunate that I don't have to be committed to wearing them even. So I am just passionate about accessibility. And um, as most of us, I will sure surely have more issues as I get older. But luckily, I just have to wear glasses for reading mostly. And we'll talk in a little bit more detail about audio description services and how they work. But can you give us a quick summary of what Mind's Eye does in general and is, what's under their umbrella? Absolutely. So um, Mind's Eye was founded about 45 years ago through the Oblitz um, here in Belleville, Illinois. And it was a, a, a mission sent by uh, Father Bonnie uh, to create a radio reading service for the visually impaired community. Um, we often tell the story of when he was given this uh, mission that he said he didn't know anything about radios except how to turn one on and off. And he didn't know anything about blind people except that they couldn't see, but that if he could help, he would. And so that sort of guided our mission from the very beginning until now. So for 45 years, we've provided radio reading service um, for the print-impaired and visually-impaired community, reading everything from local newspapers, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Belleville News Democrat, and all the county newspapers for the area that we cover. And then, of course, all of the national print publications, everything from USA Today to the Wall Street Journal. We read The Onion. Um, anything that someone might want to be able to have access to that they would go to, you know, a newsstand. So we have the virtual newsstand is one component of what Mind's Eye does. And then we have our audio description services, which I lead, and we provide um, audio description to live theater events, as well as um, any kind of social events or social media videos, as well as to museums, anyone that wants to make sure that what they're creating is more accessible. Um, and then our third part of, of what Mind's Eye does is we have Beatball, 
which of course is um, an exciting component for sort of blindfolded baseball. Um, and we just recently turned that into a program that runs year round so that we're going into the, the public schools and universities around our area to provide beatball demonstrations for those students and anyone that's interested in learning more about um, the visually impaired community and just learning more about how to walk in someone else's shoes. So that's the idea of the, the beatball um, program. But my focus is definitely audio description. Well, that sounds like it should keep everybody plenty busy. Absolutely. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is the various forms of audio description provided by Mind's Eye Radio. And before we get into this part of the interview, we would like to congratulate Mind's Eye Radio for just being awarded the 2018 Audio Description Achievement Award in Performing Arts from the American Council of the Blind. The award announcement goes on to say that Mind's Eye has provided live description for over 80 performances since beginning its audio description program in the fall of 2016, and that was less than two years ago, so that patrons with visual impairments have been able to experience a wide variety of performances at many of St. Louis's cultural gems. So congratulations to Rachel and the rest of the team at Mind's Eye Radio. Today, we wanted to talk specifically about audio description services, what they're all about, what it really is, how people train for it, and uh, the various forms of that. But maybe you can give us a quick summary of what audio description services are in general and what their purpose is. Sure. So audio description, um, very simply, takes the the visual components of um, a movie, a, a theater production, a painting, any any visual component of life, and then adds an audio quality to it to describe those essential visual components. So I always sort of like to use the the Lion King as the best example for people to understand what audio description can do for a person. So we have the big opening scene of the Lion King. That first 10 minutes or so of the movie or or the theatrical production is almost completely silent except for the music. There's no dialogue. There's nothing to tell you what's happening. But it's a huge part of the story. So you have all of these animals from Africa coming towards Pride Rock. You have the giraffes and their long necks. And you have the family of elephants. And you have the zebras and the hyenas. And everyone's coming together slowly towards Pride Rock as Simba is held in his mother's arms and then blessed by Rafiki and then lifted above everyone that has now surrounded the Pride Rock. And they all raise the, on, the, on the backs of their feet to celebrate the new Cub King. And if you don't have audio description with that, then you have no idea what's happening. You maybe hear a little bit of water. You hear the music, of course, which is beautiful. And that's it. So without audio description, um, a person who is visually impaired wouldn't have that part of the story to understand the rest of what happens within The Lion King. So audio description very simply takes the visual elements that are key and essential to a production or a, a painting and puts it in an audio format so that more people can access it. Maybe you can give us an idea of the mechanics of how this works. I mean, say there's a local theater organization in your town. They're putting on a new play. I presume that they contact you. What happens and how does that progress? 
So the first thing I usually do is I'll go out and meet that director or whoever the person is that, that's reached out to go into the theater and sort of figure out the logistics. We have a transmitter that our audio describers utilize during a performance to broadcast their description um, to individual devices. So making sure that that equipment works within the space, of course, is really important. And then when we actually go in for a specific performance, our describers will preview the show. They'll have a script beforehand. So there's a lot of research component to audio description to ensure that it's going to fit in between the dialogue and the musical components as seamlessly as possible. Yeah, you don't want to talk over the actors. Absolutely not. The only time you would do that is if the action was more important than the words. So, you know, like if a gun goes off and someone falls over dead, that's probably more important than the line that's being said right then. So we, you have to choose those moments specifically. But, you know, 99 percent of the time you want to make sure it's fitting in between the dialogue in between those musical moments. So previewing the show and having a script beforehand is really important. We don't always get that. We will provide that description without a preview. We'll do the best that we can. And then when we go into the theater the night of or the day of for the audio described performance, we have uh, an assistant that that sets usually near the box office with the equipment to sign out to patrons. They come, they give us a photo ID, we give them the device. We like to find out where they're setting so that we can check on them during intermission to make sure that everything's working appropriately. So the device is essentially headphones with a receiver so they can hear the audio description personally. Yes. Yeah, so the idea is that they have this device and then they can go wherever their seat is within that theater, set still with their friends and their families, and they can watch the show with this audio description coming over just for them. We usually start about 10 or 15 minutes before production reading the, the actual program and any director's notes and, you know, the cast and any essential bits of information. And we also start with describing the set and um, any information that might be hard to fit in between those lines. So we can give some costume descriptions beforehand if there's a change of how the set changes in the middle of one part giving that information beforehand so that's already in their mind's eye um, to be able to understand the show and be a part of it when it's happening. So talk a little bit about the balancing act between giving too much description or too little or a certain type of description versus another. I mean, you can't please everybody with your descriptions somehow. It is tricky, and it's a conversation that we have constantly um, on my audio description team of what choices to make. And it always comes down to that individual describer uh, and their discretion and what they you know, sometimes see as the more important thing. But all of our describers go through a standard training workshop that is two days. It's just like school. It's really intense to just set the basics of how you approach audio description. So there's, there's a standard of, of how to do it. And actually, right now, there's work being made to make a, a solid certification for describers to get an even more specific idea of what it takes to, to do description and do it well. But it is always a conversation and it is always dependent upon what you're working with. So when you're looking at theater, obviously, sometimes you only have one or two seconds to say, John runs into the room. That's all you have time for. You don't have time to say, the extra little bits that might seem really interesting to you, but because the dialogue is happening. So making those choices for theater is usually being really specific and using the best descriptive words that you can. So it's really on as opposed to saying runs into the room. If you say John just stumbles into the room is much more vivid, you know. 
That communicates more information with a single word, the same amount of verbiage. With a single word. Absolutely. So I send vocabulary um, sheets to my describers all the time, like here's 20 ways to say walk and other approaches to just sort of keep active and very descriptive adjectives and verbs in their brain so that when they're actually out there doing the describing, it's coming quickly. But it takes so much of it is you start with these fundamentals and then you need to practice and practice and practice and practice and practice. So getting into theaters and just doing it is, is one of the best ways to get better at it. Um, I have found some of my best describers are uh, educators, teachers, and also journalists. How does the process differ for other venues when you're not trying to describe something that's moving so fast? When we're looking at audio description for a museum or, you know, like a standard stationary um, exhibit, there's a little bit more room because you you don't have the constraints of a dialogue or musical element coming in all of a sudden. So you can actually create a really strong scripted, very you, you've edited it already to present at that time. Even in a description of a piece of art in a museum, though, I think there's a lot of latitude in how you make the description. I mean, one person may describe a picture as, in fact, I've seen this. We also say there's a woman in a red dress with a blue bonnet and a scarf around her neck sitting in front of a building with bricks that are falling down. Whereas the other person might say it's a scene in the early 1800s, a factory town, a poor factory town with smoke in the background. And, you know, they're very different flavors. Absolutely. I think, especially when you're looking at like art, and that is because, um, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. You don't have a thousand words. No one wants to listen to your thousand words. At least not at normal speed. <laughs> <laughs> at least, yeah, exactly. And listening to the two descriptions that you just gave, like I, the, the second one felt far more alive to me and more um, definitive. And that comes down to doing research. So the more you know about a painting and the the actual like historical context and like and what things are called, the better your description is going to be. If you're doing it on the fly, it might just be, yeah, girl in red dress with blue scarf. And, you know, like, yeah, you get an idea of that, but you don't have that setting. You don't have that context. So so much of it is the more research and prep that you can do, the better your description is going to be. I assume you find that different people prefer different amounts of detail. How do you deal with that? Right. When someone goes to a museum or an exhibit, every person is, has a different approach. So you have your skimmers that are just sort of like, oh, that's nice. Mm, interesting. Okay. And they're just sort of moving through everything. And then you have your swimmers that want to look at stuff and maybe read a little bit more of the placards and information that's been made available, but they're not necessarily just going to stand in front of a, a piece of work for, you know, 20 minutes. But then you have people that are divers who want to go real deep and they want to know every single aspect of what the historical context of a painting is and the medium that's being used, like every single detail is important. And with audio description, we try to go sort of for that middle ground. Ideally, in the future, um, as technology advances, I would like to be able to offer patrons all three options of, you know, here's a general information, and then you can go a little bit deeper if you want to, or go all the way um, with all that information um, so that you can approach it just how anyone else would. Which would be wonderful for a fixed item that you're trying to describe, whether it's a piece of art or a statue or but you obviously don't have the luxury of doing that if the performance is continuing independent of how much information you're trying to insert. 
Right. And that's where with, with performance, especially you have to be fast. You have to make those, those choices. And it's, it's all, it all comes down to editing and you have, there's a little bit of bravery that I always uh, talk about with, with my describers is that you have to be willing to say it and commit to it. Because if you start to stutter or to question what it is that you're saying, you've lost your window. You've lost that two to five seconds of time that you had to describe and you've lost it. It's gone. And now they're talking. So there's a bit of a bravery of saying, okay, this is what I see. I'm saying it. And okay, it's done. Um, because you have to move fast. So we talked a little bit about describing items such as art, which is f- fairly static, or a theater performance, which is scripted. But I understand you also describe some spontaneous live events. We do. What special issues do you run into in that circumstance? So one of uh, the events that we did last year was an audio description day at the St. Louis Zoo. We had a couple of patrons with guide dogs. And as we were walking through this safari exhibit where the habitats are are more open and there's not um, like an obvious uh, gate or fenced area, like you, you feel like you could just crawl into the, the habitat. So it's it's really fun. It's You feel like you're part of their habitat almost. We're walking through and at the very far back of one of the habitats as we come around is a cheetah who is bored with everyone that's been been coming through the zoo that day. You can tell they just don't care. Perked up immediately as we came around the corner. And I didn't even notice at first, but I had the, I had the audio description device on and I hear our describer go, oh, um, it seems that the cheetah is very interested in our group. And uh, she has perked up her head and is looking directly at us right now. And yes, she's getting up and she's approaching very slowly. She's definitely interested in us. <laughs> and so um, she made direct, slow movement towards our group. And she got right up to the to the edge of the exhibit where there's this ravine. Um, and we, she came down into it and we were like, OK, she's about to eat us. It's nice knowing you. Uh, this has been lovely. But the zoo is very good at what they do. And so, of course, she wasn't able to actually get to the other side of the ravine. She was stuck at the bottom. So then she hopped back and then got on a branch and got as close as she could and just watched us. And I like that experience because, for one, it was scary and amazing. And if the audio description hadn't been available, then... Of course, those patrons wouldn't have had that experience. But also, if we wouldn't have had those patrons with the guide dogs, we wouldn't have had that experience. So it was really cool to see that live component in action. Well, great. I feel like I was almost eaten by a cheetah there. So thank you for sharing. (laughs) (laughs) You're very welcome. Pete's been blind since birth, and we've been together for the last 35 years. And I've got a pretty good handle on what aspects of which he wants to hear described and what he just wants me to skip over because I've gotten, shall we say, feedback over the years. Right. Because he's been blind since birth, he knows if he hears the crickets, it's probably nighttime in the movie because the Foley mixer puts in all those sounds for the benefit of everybody, even if they don't notice. But there are some people who've gone blind later in life who aren't used to using their other senses to understand what's going on, and they like much more description of what's happening. Are you able to query your audience ever so that you can tune how much description you give to the preferences of the audience? 
Sometimes, yeah. I more specifically when we're doing those smaller tour type things, like we did the the Muni, which is the largest outdoor musical theater venue um, in the United States, is is here in St. Louis. They turned a hundred this year, so they had a, a big birthday bash where we did behind the scenes tours um, with patrons that were interested. And everyone else that wanted to to do the behind the scenes tours could just get in line, but we had obviously the audio description available. And in those moments, yeah, we can we can make that description specific to the patrons that are a part of it because we're right there with them. We're having that conversation. So we can ask them directly, especially like, you know, in time, even like, what is it that you want to have to know more about? Is that something you you need more description or are you bored with it already? And then sometimes when we have uh, regular patrons that do come to certain theater productions, um, especially one of our art describers, Elaine, who's been describing with the Muni for um, 15 years, she knows those patrons. Um, and so she likes to connect um, during intermission to find out like, okay, yep, you're here. And is it going good? Do you need more? So I think that's one of the best parts about audio description for what we do, where when we're doing the, the readings of the publications, we're doing that, we're broadcasting it and it's done. But when we go out and do audio description and we're doing it live, we're meeting those patrons right then, right there. So we can ask them what it is that they like and what works for them and what doesn't. Well, thanks a lot, Rachel. That should give everybody a good idea of what audio descriptions are all about, how they get used in various venues like theaters, movies, art museums, what some of the differences are, the training of these people. You gave us a great overview. And we appreciate it very much. Now for this week's final item, how you can learn more about Mind's Eye Radio and their audio description programs. So if people want to find out more about your organization or contact you with questions, where would you send them? mindseyeradio.org is our website m-i-n-d-s-e-y-e-r-a-d-i-o dot o-r-g that will connect you to all of the necessary information whether you want to talk to me there has my email which is if you want to know more about audio description me specifically r melton at mindseyeradio.org is my email r-m-e-l-t-o-n at m-i-n-d-s E-Y-E-R-A-D-I-O dot O-R-G. Um, and we also are on Facebook and Twitter as well, and soon to be Instagram. We're going to um, start uh, doing some description through Instagram on there, but we haven't taken that on yet. If you search for Mind's Eye Radio, we will come up immediately. And remember, you can always go to the show notes associated with every episode to find the contact information and URLs that we give in the audio portion of the show. We don't expect you to be sitting there with pen and paper or slate and stylus. So just go to the show notes at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 1834. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be reprising an old episode of what was then called Viewpoints, where we talked more about the details of described audio in live theater productions. As you learned this week, if you can't see the action on the stage, audio description fills in the gaps and helps you know what's going on. We visited what was then our regional theater company, although we have since moved, and talked to many of the people who made it happen. 
everything from the artistic director to some of the patrons before and after the show. So come back next week and learn what's really involved in detail in creating an audio-described performance. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes, and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success, or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.